0: Obviously as Christians our righteousness is not only spirit driven but our confidence is also rooted in our relationship with Jesus. Paul says if anyone can brag about how good they are. If someone has the right to tell other people how good they are, it's me. I have the credential. If I'm going to have confidence in myself, if I'm going to have confidence in my own ability, in my own capacity to do good, you know, I want you to look at my resume. He gave his credentials. He said, I was also a Benjamite. And what's the significance of that? Paul is saying the first king of Israel was from the tribe of Benjamin, and that makes me a person with some royal blood, you know? And he, and he even says, I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. I am a Pharisee. I know the law. I have obeyed the law to the best of my ability. I have done all of that. And I'm very confident that I'm good enough, that God cannot disqualify me because of all of my credentials. In fact, he called himself faultless. I have been a faultless person. And now he realizes that that's a deception. He realized that everything... That he's been doing, he's doing because he fully believed in himself, in his ability, in the flesh, in his own flesh, in, ho- in his own capacity to be able to be good enough for God to receive him. And that's a deception that still captivates people today. Sad to say, so many people today, you know, they're saying, well, you know, I'm a, I'm a Christian. Uh, but what they're really saying is, I'm, I'm good enough. You know, what they do is they do all of these good things. They they try to manufacture all of the great things that they can do in this world, and then put a Christian label onto it. Okay, that, that's really a big problem. What am I, what am I talking about? I'm I'm talking about people who really refuse to recognize. That the only goodness that counts is the goodness that is born out of our relationship with Jesus. I mean, it's the only goodness that counts in the sight of God. Uh, you, you know, ca- all people are capable of doing good things, even people who don't believe in God. In fact, you know, many people who don't believe in God are probably doing a lot better things than maybe some people who do believe in God <laughs> do. You know, That's not the issue. The issue is where the glory and the credit belongs to. To a Christian, all the goodness that we do, all our ability to do good comes from that relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ because we can't simply put a label on the things that we do. Uh, we, we often do uh, do that to put a religious label to the lifestyle that we have. It becomes a front from what for what really is just a, 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 a demonstration of self-confidence. Okay? Okay? Now, let me illustrate it this way. We have a huge illegal immigration problem in our country today. I think you would have read that in the news. But relax. I'm not, I'm not making a political statement or I'm, you know, I'm, not, I'm not into that. This is just an illustration, so relax. Okay? So understand the illustration that I'm going to make. okay? I'm not judging people. Who wants to come into this country illegally? I, I'm no I'm not a person who's gonna do that. I don't judge anybody's motivation. Um, you know, I, I I thank God that I live in this country. I really do. I really praise God that I live in the freest country, the greatest country in the world. I believe that with all of my heart. You know, if I was one of those people who are struggling with my life in that part of the world wherever they came from, I'd probably be tempted to do the same thing. So that's that's not my point today. It's not to to come with a solution to any of these things. But the problem with doing that, the problem when people try to cross the borders illegally is that they're doing two things, right? They are violating the law. And by violating the law, they're disregarding the sovereignty of that nation. There's a disregard for the sovereignty of a nation. Now, think about that for a moment. You, we can get away with that here on earth. But in the kingdom of God, it doesn't work. Alright? In the kingdom of God, you have to be declared a citizen first before you can enter the kingdom of God. Now I want you to think about that very carefully. You have to be qualified. You have to be put in a position where you are a citizen of the kingdom of God so that you can be allowed in. Why is that critical? Because you and I can only, only be accepted in the kingdom of God if we recognize the sovereignty of God. And we understand the sovereignty of God. What is the sovereignty of God? Here it is. Listen very carefully. The sovereignty of God is this. That no one, no one ever enters the kingdom of God without the righteousness of Jesus. That's the sovereignty of God. God chose to put all power, all authority, okay? And all, everything else in the universe in the hands of Jesus. And God says you cannot enter the kingdom of God unless you go through Jesus. That's the sovereign will of God. So, in the Christian mind, we're always thinking about that. That the only way you and I can be qualified to enter the kingdom of God is if we put our faith in Jesus. So I hope uh, you know that, that gives us an appreciation of what Paul is trying to write here. He's saying, I'm good enough. I should be able to enter the kingdom of God. I, I, you know, I was circumcised on the eighth day. I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. I followed the law. There's no unrighteousness in me. I am faultless. And then he realized that he cannot. He realized that his own ability, his own goodness is not going to be good enough. And he answers his own question. Because he keeps saying to himself, I'm holy enough. I'm, I'm a good person. I never cheated. I never lied. You know, I've, I've lived a good life. I come from a good family. I don't, I don't need to, to, to prove myself to be a good person. And Paul says this in the second part of those verses. He says, but whatever gain... Whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss. What is he talking about? Every good thing that he's done. Every demonstration of self-righteousness. Every demonstration of his ability and self-confidence to be able to make himself I mean, make himself qualified to go to heaven. He says, I consider all of that a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage. (laughs) He says, all of the things that I have done, all the goodness that I've demonstrated, all the obedience to the law, all of the regulations that I have obeyed, they're garbage compared to knowing Jesus, that I may gain Christ And be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. Do you think you're good enough to make it to heaven? None of us are. None of us. Not a single person in this room will make it to heaven because we're good enough. That's a reality that the gospel is telling us, telling the world. That's the reality of it. And that's why people are turned off when you tell them about Jesus. Because you're going to have to tell them about the problem of sin that we all have. That's a real problem for a lot of people. Wait a minute. Why are you telling me I'm a sinner? I'm not a sinner. I'm a good person. I mean, it's, all, it's a stumbling block. Because in our minds and in our hearts, we think we have the, the, the ability. We have, we, we're confident. We're so self-confident that we'll make it to heaven without Jesus that sometimes just to satisfy some kind of a religious persona, we put a label on what really is just self-righteousness. And that's wrong. Paul says, no, that's all garbage. Our goal is to know Jesus and the power that he has in our lives. You know, we think we can be good enough because we're confident in our own ability, but it's just not possible. We need to trust in Jesus by faith. And I know you've heard this before. And I know we understand uh, this. But when we partake of communion today, we need to bring our minds back to that reality. Loved ones, uh, I- I- it's y- you're going to sleep better at night knowing, listen to me, knowing that you're covered by the blood of Jesus. Knowing that he's never gonna let you go <laughs> because you are in his hands. You're gonna sleep better tonight. You, you're gonna sleep better knowing that uh, the goodness that you have didn't come from you. Didn't you didn't manufacture it. It's the work of the Spirit of God. So we need to think about that. You know, stop giving credit to yourself when you do something good. Alright? That's false humility. Whatever we do, we do it in the name of the Lord. Because that's, what it's, that's, that's the only thing that's going to count. Okay? When you get to heaven, God's not going to look at you and say, what kind of talents do you have? I mean, you know, can you sing? Can you sing as good as Ben? Can you sing as good as Janine? Can you play guitar as good as uh, Eric? <laughs> you know how silly that is, you know? <laughs> I'm better. Can you imagine saying to God? Better than all of those guys, I taught them all they know. It's arrogance, but, but we think that way sometimes, you know. We, we, we think that the things that we're doing, we're doing it because you know we come from good families, we got we're we from a good stock, so to speak. But only through Jesus can we justify and have confidence. In our righteousness, because it's not our own. It's a foreign righteousness. It's anchored in Jesus. That's why in chapter four of this same letter, Paul declares Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. I mean, these are not just verses we memorize. These is the reality, these are realities of our faith. That's why we memorize these verses because they, they bring to mind who we really are. We're not of our own. We're bought with a great price. Jesus didn't have to die on the cross if you and I can going to be good enough to do that. So, uh, you know, we, we're going to get to communion. We're going we're gonna to really see how this works in our lives. There's a third thing, a third sign that we have a justified mindset, and that is we recognize that the death of, si- the death of sin on the cross. A person with a justified mindset recognizes the death of sin on the cross. An important point. Look at verses uh, uh, 7 to 10 momentarily. There's a fundamental recognition that sin has died in us because we acknowledge that Jesus paid the penalty of that sin on the cross. The result is we are raised in the newness of life and we have been raised spiritually and we're also one day going to be raised physically and that's why it's important for us to understand that sin is already dead. In us, because of the cross, look at verses 7 and 8, 7 to 10. Paul says, I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. The one thing that distinguishes a truly born again follower of Jesus Christ is that we're no longer, we no longer think of ourselves as captive to sin. We're no longer captive to sin. Sin to us is dead. Now that doesn't mean, of course, that we are no longer capable of sinning or we're not susceptible to sin, but we are not slaves to sin. When we come to faith, when we came to faith in Jesus, the power of sin has died. The power of sin has died. Well, pastor, that's not really true because sin still has a hold in my life. I mean, y- you i mean, you know, we're not naive, right? I mean, there are certain things in our lives that we're saying, I'm not supposed to do that because I'm a follower of Jesus. I, I thought sin is dead. Why is this thing still sticking out and all of that? And I always use this illustration, you know. Uh Uh, My mother has been dead for over 15 years. And she's dead. Okay. (laughs) There's no doubt about that. She's dead. But the influence that she had in my life, whether good or bad, right? They still linger. Yeah, They still linger. There's a lot of experiences still linger. I mean, those things are dead. And yet, Time and time again, you recognize that, you know, that's just exactly like my mother. That reaction was exactly from my mother. That reaction is exactly from my father. In in the same way, it's kind of like that when it comes to sin. But this is the good news sin is dead, it no longer has that hold on us. Even though it's still there, even though we still get tempted, amen. You can say, say louder than that, even though it's still true even though you still get enticed, right? But it no longer has any hold on us because it's dead. Paul says, I've been crucified with Christ. It's not I who live. It's Christ who lives in me. And in in practical application, the, the, the possibility of sinning is right there, right? The susceptibility is still there. But because something is dead, you don't have to resurrect that. We have the power. The Spirit of God has given us the power to walk in the Spirit and not to walk in the dictates of the flesh. The appetite is no longer there. We need to come to grips with that. You know, if you're finding yourself today, you know, you're thinking, you know, this is wrong, but, you know, hey, this is just me. You have to be born again. You need to recognize who Jesus is and what he has done. Because no one, no one in this room, I hope, justifies the sin. Because the work of justification is the work of God. We can't justify the things that we do. We can't do it in our own self-confidence in ourselves. The, the willpower can only go so much. We need to surrender to the leading of the Spirit of God. Our minds should be set on things above, that our lives are hidden in Christ. Romans 6.11, Paul writes, In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. There's a final point here, and that is a justified person has a mindset that is resolved to declare the sanctifying call of Jesus, the call to sanctification, resolved to declare the sanctifying call. Look at verses 12 to 14 finally. Not that I have already obtained all this, Paul writes, or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that For which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. Perfection, that's what he's talking about. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Sanctification is a calling and a command. Sanctification is the process of being set aside to be conformed to the likeness of Jesus. As we grow in Christ's likeness, this should always be in the back of our minds. Anything we do in life, whatever decisions we make, whatever activities we engage in, remember our calling is heavenward. We're, our trajectory is going up. Okay? These songs that we sing, I will go to Zion one day. Zion is in the north. We're going up. That's where we're going. It's spiritually speaking, we're saying our destination is heavenward. Okay? So, what do we do? We always think that we are commanded to make our paths straight, to focus on the road ahead. This is a progressive work of God's Spirit in our lives as we grow in Christ likeness. Sanctification is. This should always be constantly. In our minds, we're constantly thinking about this. This is a call and a command to be separated from the world system. That means we should be growing into the knowledge of God and what God expects of us as his children. We need to think about ways to project a sanctified lifestyle in the world in front of us so people can see that we are heading in the direction that God says we're heading, and that's heavenward. Now, obviously, we still live in this world and we still engage in this world, and we have relationships with the people in this world, but sanctification is not being detached from the world, it's being distinct from the world. When people talk to you, when people have a relationship with you, when you engage, and I engage society, they need to see that we're different. That has to be seen. It's not, a, it's not some kind of a, a, a lifestyle that we are just decided that we're going to go and live by. No, there's a purpose behind it. Sanctification is a call and a command. We are obligated, so to speak, by God to project that as light and salt of the earth. We engage society. They need to see that we're being sanctified. When we deal with our relationships, they need to know that we are being sanctified. We are the light of the world. Let me just say that Christian witness, you know, today is disappointing. It has become more and more like, you know, when we, te- when, when we, pre- when we uh, present the gospel to people, it, it seems like we present the gospel as an option for people, you know. <laughs> and I can see that in, 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 in the way uh, most people view their witness for Jesus. It's like an option. You know, you, you go to your friends who are not followers of Jesus and... and uh, and you look at their lives and, and then you tell them, hey, you know, your lifestyle isn't working. Your life's not going, you know, why don't you try Jesus? You know, and that, that's kind of our strategy, you know. I, I'm giving you an alternative. Come to Jesus. <laughs> you know, this is, you know, you, you have taken this option in your life. Now I'm giving you a better option. They have no other option. Presenting the gospel to people is, is not presenting to them the option of the Christian life. No, it is not. It's not an option. It's a, it's a direct commandment by God. Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel. Don't give them an option. The problem is, you know, I mean, the last several, you know, in the last, what, 40 years, Christians have slowly made their witness to conform to the system of the world. You know, to reach people, we try to act like unbelievers we like to talk like unbelievers the programs we set for churches you know it's like uh, this is designed to entice them so that they can see that we're just like them and therefore if they join us you know they'll find that we have something better that's not true we are not like them we're different from them we follow jesus and their system is not our system our system is the system of the kingdom that's what it's about. It's not all about saying, hey, you know, I have a better option for you. I have, the, I have a better solution for your problem. The gospel is not a solution to people's problems. It, it is not a solution. They need salvation. People in this room need to be saved. And by that I mean surrender your life to Jesus. That's what it's about. That's what Christian witness is. It's not an option that we give to people. And people are going to see that in the way we live. Paul says, not that I've already obtained all of this. We're not saying we're perfect. We're not saying that we have arrived. But this is one thing we do. We forget all about all the things in the past. And we move forward to get a hold of that which Christ, Jesus, got a hold of us. If Jesus had a hold in our lives, let me tell you something. You can't stop talking about it. You can't stop living that out because it's the work of salvation in our lives. The call to sanctification is to say, I haven't arrived yet at the goal and I'm not going to get there until I die and go to heaven and see Jesus face to face. But this is one thing I do. I press forward. I don't care about what's going on in the past, what went on in the past. I don't care what's going on in the world. I'm pressing on. I'm focusing on what Jesus has said to me in Hebrews 12:1 and 2. I'm going to end with this. Therefore, the writer of Hebrews says, "Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses." Well, who are those great clouds of witnesses? Christians that have endured and have gone on to heaven. We're not the first generation to have faced all of these challenges. Christians through all generations have faced these challenges, and they're urging us, so to speak, spiritually in heaven, move on, move forward, don't worry about what happened in the past. He says, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author or pioneer and perfecter, Of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Are there any barriers to you hearing the call and the command to be sanctified? Let me tell you if you are a Christian this morning, it begins with how you think. God has already got a hold of your heart. Now it's time to think like a Christian. You have been justified already. I don't know about you, but I praise God because I just skipped condemnation. Uh, There's no condemnation anymore. Through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Romans 8, there's now therefore no condemnation to anyone who is in Christ Jesus. Who would reject that news? Who would reject that message? I'm so glad that you're not not, going to face the judgment that, that will be presented to those who didn't follow Jesus. As a justified person, it's not enough to simply live in this world, but also be the light and salt of the world. Fix our eyes on Jesus. Fix our minds on Jesus. He is the author, and he's the perfecter of our faith. He who began a good work in us will be faithful to complete it.